Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Juicy little juicy rechusy. <laughs> Don't ever call me juicy. <laughs> Hello, this is Everything Is Content. I'm Beth. I'm Richera. And I'm Anoni. We're here to guide you on the trek to the top of the content mountain and hopefully help you enjoy the view along the way. On the podcast today, we'll discuss traitors. Don't worry, it's going to be spoiler free. And also Gypsy Rose Blanchard. And remember, if there's anything you want us to discuss, you can send us a message on Instagram at everythingiscontentpod. Okay, guys, what have we been loving this week? So I've been full Golden Globes content diving. What about you guys? Exactly the same. Pretty much all week. It was on Sunday night and I was so annoyed that we don't do the podcast until now because... (sighs) Will people be over it? Don't care. We're going to talk about it anyway. Please don't be over it. We, we have to, we just have to talk about it all, right? What was your favorite moment? I, I'm just going to put it out there. Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet and all of the reactions so... trying to work out what the conversation they're having is. And some of them are very funny. The yes. lip reading of yeah. like, I love you. I love you. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really sweet, actually. No, did you see the bit where apparently a lip reader said one of them was like, I wasn't actually talking about you. And the other one goes... I wasn't either. Oh, that's quite cute though. I, Do you not think? No, it is cute, but it's just like, I don't know. It's just like when you break down people flirting with each other, there's no way to like, unless you're in the moment yeah. for it not to be cringe. They must be so in the honeymoon phase because like they're both really aware that they're on camera and it's probably the most flirty we've seen a celebrity couple be in a while at that kind the of P- thing. I think say? PDA is back. And I would also yeah. say like, yes. she's got kids. Like, it's, it's proper date night out. Like kids are with, who's their mom calls? Chris. Kids are with Chris. Having a night in Nan. I think that was very sweet. So I liked that. But then did you see Selena Gomez? Did she or yes. didn't she try and get a picture with <laughs> Timothy? She's denied it. The rumor is she tried to get a picture with Timmy. Kylie said no. Um, and then she went over to her BFF, Taylor, Taylor. Swift. And, and then they had an exchange. And it's so memeable. The video is everywhere. The video is so good. And it's the way she shakes her head and she's like... And Taylor's got her mouth open and then... Selena's nodding like yeah 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 no this can you believe it it's what, really classic gossip yes. what did they she came out though didn't she and she denied it and she said that she was telling Taylor that one of her friends was dating another friend I love that, she, that, that people are now because I think Timothy actually yeah he also said to like a paparazzi or a fan like that never happened I love when they get involved yeah. in our gossip and it's like we weren't talking to you we were talking about you so did you also see a journalist bring up a picture of Jeremy Allen White's Calvin Klein campaign which yeah I think if you've not seen it, go check it out. A journalist brings it up to Ayo Dabiri and is basically like confronting her with a picture and is like, so what do you think about this? And she she's awkward at the best of times, but she's especially awkward. And she's like, I think people need to remember this is my colleague. Yes. Um, why why has it become normal to do it that? sort of it just brings the internet too much into the real space it, I think it forgets itself I mean one I would like to know where that big enormous yeah. printout went I would like to get my hands on it two I think it was quite inappropriate she hands it really well but she's like shuts it down immediately she's like nope turning that around mm. this is my colleague this is my boy so she's like being protective of him at the same time as being like I just won or I'm about to win a golden globe 
Yeah. I'm very accomplished actress. Ask me something interesting. And also maybe because it's Jeremy Allen White who isn't this guy that seems like he's very showy. I don't know, I'm trying to think of it was a different actor. I think he is really showy. Do you not remember you when think? he was calling the paparazzi on himself like was every he? other minute? Wait, when? There were so many staged photos of him like, oh, I'm just working out really? in this remote area in LA. And oh, here the paps are. <gasps> like he was getting ripped. Because uh, I feel like if the picture had been of like Chris Hemsworth and mm-hmm. someone took up that, a cardboard cut out of him to like, I can't even think, Anne Hathaway or something, she would have poured at it and laughed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's a certain kind of type of celebrity where that would have That's not have true. felt Yeah, weird. he's like a prestige Maybe actor not at this a sta- point. Almost like not as established or like, I don't know. Less protection of their image and maybe like... Maybe it felt more... Because I do think we've seen things like that before. I loved... I actually thought her reaction was really refreshing. I was like, God, you're right. Yeah. But had it happened and she'd not reacted like that, I probably wouldn't have been that surprised that mm. they'd taken a cardboard cut out of him in his underwear. Do you know what I mean? She managed to call it out in a really good way. Yeah, I agree. I read a really good newsletter from Emma Garland on this and she talks about how instead of kind of unpicking sexuality, all we've done is replacing objectifying women with objectifying men and being really horny for men on the main. And I don't think it necessarily tackles sexism or sex in an interesting way. It's just replaced one with the other. And I think Io's response kind of really highlights that and blows it up because it's like, this is my fucking colleague. It's not normal for you to do this. I was reading all the comments and they were really making me laugh under the Calvin Klein ad about him and people just, people are so creative. The comments were making me laugh so much. Like how many ways are there to say that you're wet? A million. <gasps> I didn't see. Maybe it's funny because it's that power imbalance thing. So it's like, it feels like it's safer and we're all in the joke and women aren't actually being serious. Maybe there isn't that level of like, threat that comes with men statistics back it up that this kind of talking among women adds up to male like violence against men it's still it is still quite weird I think it's perceived to be not a threat but in doing it in such a like massive way and piling on men in that way I don't think that necessarily equals the playing field I think you do tip the scale again and we can commodify men's bodies in a way that is like really disgusting when it's like white women and and black men we can actually dehumanize people sometimes it's very fun and cute and it's you know being horny in the group chat or whatever but bringing it perhaps to that person's attention is like that's gross so as I's number one fan I think she dealt with that really well yeah I agree I think keep the internet on the internet Mm. with the freaks yeah So last week, Beth said she was loving series two of The Traitors and now we've caught up to and we can't wait to discuss. If you're not up to date, don't worry, this is going to be spoiler free. The Traitors is a BBC game show where 22 contestants go to a castle in the Scottish Highlands. Most of them are faithful, but there are some traitors. The faithful have to find out the traitors and if they can do, they're going to win £120,000. We've seen the first three episodes and those are the only ones we're going to talk about for now. So don't worry about any spoilers. We're going to keep it relatively spoiler free. Yeah, we'll just talk about stuff that's happened. Yep. Favourite characters. Iconic characters. Iconic yep. moments, but we just won't mention like key plot points and who's been murdered or banished. Yeah. Cool. Seems fascinating. So, Anoni, this is the first time you've watched it. It's also my first time watching it. What, what do you think? I'm not going to lie. I know that last week we'd spoken about the show and you guys are like, you're going to love it. I secretly was like, I'm not going to like it. It's going to be awkward when I come back. Because I don't really watch like game show, like reality game shows. Like mm. I hate I'm a celeb. I've never really got into that kind of program. So I sat down to watch it. Didn't think I was going to get into it. Obviously immediately was hooked from the moment when Paul said, they were like, describe yourself in three words. And he was like, something cruel, something else. Mm. I was like, this is hilarious. 
who are these people? Paul is legendary. Um, so one of the words he calls himself is traitor and not a spoiler, but he is one of the traitors. Well, he, is that, was that one of his three words? Yes. I just remember him saying cruel and it made me laugh so much and the guy paused it. No, he said traitor <laughs> and yeah, he was born, he was born to be a traitor. This is why I realised I like the show because I didn't think I would. It is a really fascinating look at like the psychology of people and they so quickly kind of break down. A hundred percent. But he is, not only is he loving it, like, everyone loves him he's they thriving all think he's like the sweetest kindest yes. nicest man ever and then it like cuts to him in this sort of like diary room moments and he's always just laughing whenever they're like bit with the rest of the group being positive about him and i'm like you are a sociopath but like if he doesn't win i will be flabbergasted i think mm-hmm. what might happen is when you get that popular and you rise to the top you're gonna be on everyone's mind and mm. people go who's the person i least suspect it's gorgeous handsome ginger paul and then eyes will turn to him. And in that moment, we saw this in the first series, everyone has a moment when all eyes are on them and then they can sink or swim. In the first series, again, no spoilers, one of the traitors was basically, I thought, about to go. And he defended himself so well mm. that for the rest of the series, people went, nah, but do you, do you remember? Nah, he's not a traitor. Do you remember <sighs> that exchange? So if he manages to get through that, which is coming, I think he could he could be a, a winning traitor, That's which would be so delicious. But it brings me on to the question, do you guys or are you guys rooting at the moment for the faithfuls or the traitors? The traitors, which really Ooh. surprises me. 100% the traitors. What about you? I'm I'm kind of, I like people on both sides. Like I love Harry. Yeah. Harry. yeah. Harry is... Earring. Earring. Traitor. Little cute face, 22 years yes. old. I loved it in his like beginning video thing when he was like, I've got one of those faces you either want to kiss, who you want to punch. I'm like, you're so cute. I want to squish your face. See, this is the thing. Because there's 22 contestants, it takes me, I can't get attached. I don't know any of their names yeah. apart from the traitors, which I think is why yeah. I'm rooting for them. I also love Diane though. So Diane is, she's a faithful. She's she a gay is. icon. One thing I will say about her is, and I've never watched this before, but it's making me see how um, a bias really does shape how people react to people. Like she had this one guy at the beginning and she had a bad interaction with and she will not let up. He's mm. faithful by the way, but she is obsessed with the idea that he is a traitor and there's no evidence for it everyone else is kind of she's her intuition has been amazing on every other traitor but she can't let up about this guy she perceived as being rude to her from their very first interaction and it makes me think like oh we do really you know do first impressions and take them so deeply i'm worried that it's unconscious bias from diane because it did seem like she really singled anthony out and i know that it's edited but from what we've seen it doesn't necessarily look like he's warranted anything to be getting this kind of attention from her and she is a white middle-class woman it the optics of it just don't sit that well with me yeah. agreed so i saw my auntie the other day and i said to her have you been watching it and she said i cannot watch programs like that because i just think they're exploitative she's like i just think it's dystopian to get all these people to fight together for this money so then i felt so bad because i literally was like oh my god i'm loving it and i was like oh and she was like i just honestly she's like i can't watch it It makes me squirm it makes me feel like i'm complicit in something which is 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 kind of like hunger games and i was like god she's so right what do you guys think about i mean i would and i kind of think i can see both matures and my brain's working um, I do think there's truth to that in a lot of reality TV series. Yeah. The show itself, format-wise, I think it isn't exploitative, but I think when they go in, they say, what do you want the money for? That is depressing. Because mm, yeah. some of them, Ash, for example, she's like, I've got no 
pension. Yeah. I've got no inheritance coming. Oh no, maybe she's got a pension. I've got no inheritance coming. I need this for this. Another woman in the first year is like, I want to, I've um, have lost my arm or perhaps was born with limb difference. I would like to buy a better prosthetic. And I went, oh fuck, we yeah. really live in hell. What do yeah. you think, Michelle? I feel like my gut is... Um, because I I love reality TV. I love it so much. It's so, you know, amoral. But my gut is that this isn't by far the worst of the exploitative TV shows. I think things like Love is Blind, I think all of those things, there's been some lawsuits against the way mm-hmm. big companies such as Netflix treat their cast. And that can be very explicitly exploitative. I think what you said is right about the money and, you know, there is a depressing element about these people fighting, quote unquote, to the mental death mm. to get it. But I, I don't think this is as bad as it could be. I would also say that a show like, like everyone from the first season this, none of them uh, are like massively in the public eye. I don't think they mm. pursued that, which seems better than something like Love Island yeah. where they are thrust into it. Yeah, I think reality TV shows are political. They just always are and have been. So something like Big Brother, the time it came out in, you know, around the Tony Blair era, these people kind of fighting for fame and the idea that, you know, everyone has a chance at the British dream, quote unquote, like the American dream. I think by their virtue represents something about our political times and people needing money, what they need money for, what, you know, job prospects are and the ways and avenues people have to get money. And I think with this one, I don't really get the impression that people are doing it for social media fame. I think it is it is literally about the money. I also think what's interesting is the age range of this show is like, there's not, there's a couple of people that are quite young, but they're not really young. A lot of people are like, like middle-aged or kind of like a bit more mature in their, in their 60s yeah their, and and it does seem like it's 70s. about the money but then that is also depressing because it is like in the grand scheme of wealth like the amount of money they're winning yeah. isn't actually astronomically life-changing it's so a like, portion of potential it might help you towards getting a certain goal or doing something but it's not actually no that to be putting yourself it's on not the like line. squid games which yeah. i didn't watch because i felt really gross about that yeah i think this is is sweeter and it has like a night it has a more wholesome element because they're they're kind of having fun they are making friends a few of them come out of it last season and like started podcasts and like they road trip together i think it's nice i don't i i see exactly where your aunt's coming from but i would on this case maybe disagree beth thank you so much for introducing traitors to our lives you're welcome okay so this isn't the end for traitors on this podcast we're gonna still keep talking about it for the next few weeks yes i can't wait yes me neither So I think we have to talk about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She's a 32-year-old woman who at the end of last year was released from prison. So she was in prison for eight years and she was in prison because she basically organized to murder her mum through this guy that she met online. And the reason she did that is because her mum had Munchausen's by proxy, which is now, I think, got a new name. Yes. Factitious disorder imposed on another. Her mum basically made other people believe that she was really badly ill. So she would like get her lots of prescriptions for drugs. She would shave her head. She would like take her out with an oxygen tank and just Gypsy Rose herself as well believed that she had some sort of like terminal illness. When she found out what her mum was doing to her, she basically organized someone to yes. murder her mum. Yeah. So she's come out of prison and she has been posting, she's been tweeting, she's been very online. She has 8 million followers. That's huge. And she has got this huge fan base and she's kind of become, I would say, a gay icon to yeah. many. Yeah. 
She's not gay herself that no. we know. She has got a man husband, a human man who is her husband. <laughs> but yeah, so people on, it's like young people especially are kind of lionizing her. They're sort of making, memeing her. They're mothering her, by which I mean, they're calling her mother, mother <laughs> which is so interesting. I know she's had all this time in prison to build up this fan base. This case was enormous. Mm. It was made into TV shows, like mm. um, the act, the politician, I get it, but also it is, to me, it's really alarming. Do you think it's something to do with almost this like anti-hero narrative, like this anti-celebrity of kind of like, where people are fed up of influencers, we're mm-hmm. fed up of the A-list, we're fed up of this like curated, gorgeous, stunning people. Like Gypsy Rose can be farther away from sort of like your starry, glossy person. It's such an interesting thing anyway, sort of like the the ethics of what happened and what went down. She had a lifetime of abuse yeah. and then eight years in prison. At 30 years old, she's kind of having her first stab at life, but it's not normal life because it's life as a sort of pseudo celebrity, a cult figure. So mm. I'm I'm sad in that regard. I'm so glad for her to perhaps get to tell her story after years of other people telling it, but I, I worry. Okay, guys, I'm going to bring up true crime again, but I feel like it's the same thing of like, everyone's super invested in all of these stories that have happened. And this one is a present case. It's one of the few ones that people can get super invested in that is happening in real time. And there's been all these documentaries. There's been all these stories about her. It's rare that people can almost be fanish in real time about one of these people that they have obsessed in the same way of any true crime stories except the person is still alive, which is quite rare for a lot of these stories Mm. that do get big and are really viral. Do you know what else is interesting? I saw a tweet that was saying about how people, there has been backlash, obviously. People are like, oh my God, well, she organized to kill her mother and like, how are people like forgiving her? And someone said something really interesting, which was like, if this had been to someone else, say a man had been abusing her or like someone that wasn't related to her had been abusing her and then she got someone to kill them, I think we would have more grace for her, but it's because it's her mother. Mm, Agreed. In society, we don't like to see mothers as perpetrators of abuse or as people that are in the wrong. And so you kind of give them more room to murdering your family or being yeah. involved in like yeah. a matricide you know the response to that reminds me of it reminds me of Jeanette McCurdy and yes. initially when she had that title of her book um, I'm happy my mum died I'm glad my mum died people didn't even know anything about the details of the horrific abuse her mum did to her but the immediate backlash was how dare somebody write a title like that and then once people started reading it they were like oh she was a victim of abuse. Her mum was awful to her. Yeah. Yes. Because people took it as like, a lot of people were like, I, I feel triggered. Like you can't say I'm glad your mum died. I love my, and it's like, no, she's literally saying, I'm glad that my abuser is dead. Gypsy Rose went through invasive medical procedures, was in great pain, thought she couldn't walk. Like her teeth fell out yeah. because of the medication. So it was bad. physical, emotional abuse for however long. None of us are qualified to say what what comes out the other end of that like what would any of us do no um but looking at the the facts of her life now she's married she has a very publicly quite like a saucy relationship (laughs) with her husband i think his name's ryan so she's done some quite racy comments on social media in basically there's a lot of jealous haters in her opinion people are making nasty comments as they are wont to do on the internet Um, and she replied to one of these mean comments saying besides they jealous because you are rocking my world every night yeah i said it the d is fire happy wife happy life (laughs) the way way she's commenting makes me think of like do you ever get on facebook a memory from i don't know 2008 and you've just written on your friend's wall been like 
hey, so um, I saw so-and-so yesterday and I'm going to go, like, as if no one can read it. I feel yes. like that's how she's writing. So the way she starts off that comment is, Ryan, don't listen to the haters. I love you and you love me. We don't know anyone. It's like, why, it's very why is this not a, a text message? <laughs> like, why is this in a public space for everyone to read? I mean, I can't even imagine being her. It must be so overwhelming Eight to come out. Eight million people with to access this. to, I mean, she's been on talk shows. Did you see she went on, I think it was ABC's The Tour. Yeah. And there was that really funny interaction with, because she was saying, which was actually quite profound she was saying look I want now to be a voice for the people that are in similar situations mm. I went about it the wrong way and one of the hosts interrupted her and go no no don't say that don't say that and then she goes no no I did do the wrong thing and oh I pay my dues I and then the host up. is like oh you meant that part and it's really like what part do you think yeah, she what meant? Was the oh, that's what I wanted about. to know what was the bit she thought she was saying like it was just the most American bit of TV um, and then another host is like yes murder is wrong <laughs> and it was just like just to confirm <laughs> And all of that's happening. And I think she's in the bubble, but the public and especially the social media public are very fickle. It's very like very narrow moral lines that we have to stay within Mm. to become relevant, to stay like a public figure in that kind of comedic way. And I do worry like she's come out of one kind of confinement. Is this another kind of confinement Mm. where she's going to have to perform for like a viewing public? And I don't want to infantilize her, which is what has happened to her all of her life. And I also feel like when the internet builds a woman up, I'm almost terrified and prepping for their fall because Mm. there's always the fall like I know it's not the same but the way that everyone obsessed with you know Jennifer Lawrence at one point and they were like she's the cool girl of our time and then there's always like a person who's like this is our icon this is our icon and then like soon after you know even within months it's like oh the backlash they said this one thing one time and she's been in jail for eight years like you know she might say something very stupid she might not but like I worry what this big rise to the top could mean in the next few months yeah well i think gypsy rose though is this like really specific type of camp the campness is a thing but campness on twitter it's like it's a whole own new category now so like i'm thinking alison hammond i'm thinking Gemma Collins. Yes. I'm thinking Hans. Hans. It's Hans, but it's, it's Hans, like it's mothers. something else. And sometimes it's just the most random thing. And and someone will be like, this is so camp. It'll be like an advert for Kitchen Roll. Yeah, I don't even understand why or what it means, but I know exactly what they mean. And she is that. She is a Hun. I think part of camp love, like love of stuff is when it's really absurd. And she is the, like the definition of an mm. absurd person like not her but her life well, where her does story. she go from it like tv show i know that she's done a lot of interviews like will she get her own series will she like what what's in the works for her like is she gonna be on like american big brother is she gonna be on the american traders Maybe, what's yeah. gonna i just mm. i i don't know what to expect there well more things are coming she has that hulu series out now the prison mm. confessions of gypsy rose blanchard available on prime and she has a new book doesn't she released which is she's out now like such an old case that obviously now she's out, it's fresh again. Like that, this true crime thing has legs. Mm, and and mm-hmm. in, at least in this case, it's it's serving her financially and, and in terms of telling her own story. So I don't, I don't really take that much umbrage with that. But mm. what if it runs out? It's just very unsettling, isn't it? The way that true crime creates celebrities like Tiger King, you know, mm. Simon Lev- Leviev, is that his name? The Tinder swindler. Mm-hmm. He got like millions of followers immediately after that yeah. Netflix doc. It's just very, very unsettling. With her, I'm happy that she can make money because she's the victim. She's a victim of abuse, but it's unsettling to see that thread 
it makes me feel like we're living in the Hunger Games. Like this is the capital. Like you have to go on these wacky TV shows or be through some like massive trauma and abuse in order to get these huge payoffs. And I mean, is it worth it? Yeah, I'm going to be kind of watching what happens, but maybe like quite tentatively. In the attention economy, I guess we've seen so many rounds of people having to, you know, fight for the attention they get. People having to go to more extreme lengths to be viral famous right now and this is what we're seeing hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So last week, an article came out on the New York Times about Taylor Swift. It sort of flew under the radar a little bit. And then this week, people got wind of it. And the reaction has been, it's been big and it's been really negative. Do you guys read this? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Okay. So for the listeners who who don't know, it was written by Anna Marks, who's an opinion editor at the New York Times. It was entitled, Look What We Made Taylor Do. And it is a 5,000 word personal opinion essay, essentially arguing for Taylor Swift, not only being a a queer icon, but also arguing that Taylor Swift hints and has signaled all through her career that she herself is a queer woman, is, has been coming out in these small ways in her performances, in her lyrics, in her artwork and her appearance for that time that she is gay that she's queer that she's part of this community that she's not just an ally to it mm-hmm. it is it's, it's got a lot of criticism and I, I see exactly why because she puts forward all this evidence and I say evidence in in quotes in sort of bunny rabbit ears because it's speculation it's cherry-picked lyrics that's, that suggest this could be about a woman it's style choices she's made it's color ways that she's used in her albums and artwork yeah and to me, I'm just very shocked that this was published. Completely. It's just such a weird thing. First of all, it feels like, I don't know, the first time you've ever written an essay and you come up with a thing like why I think Taylor Swift's gay. Yes. Like why is that being published in the New York Times? No. And it, it was, really I, I completely agree. It wasn't, imagine if this was the case, it wasn't why a, a icon of Taylor's stardom yeah. would be an amazing person to come out. It wasn't about the dangers of coming out. But even if Taylor is gay, again, don't really understand why it would be something to write about unless I don't I, there's never a totally. situation when it's like would be appropriate to speculate yeah. to the world in a 5,000 word essay <laughs> so that she is a queer woman because one if if someone is in the closet for whatever reason you know that is once you know that's kind of a, pr- a prison to be in also to have all of these people insisting that you are straight if you're people insisting that you are gay Neither of those situations are ideal for the person this is happening to, because she is a real person. She isn't just this figurehead of pop stardom, um, which I think it just made me, it's just made me really uncomfortable mm. that this was published as it was. And I think I've read that Taylor 
Swift team are like kind of scrambling and they're really unhappy with this and quite rightly so. I mean, if you're a huge Taylor stan, what they call Swifties, you wouldn't write this, I think. I think mm. it it removes her, it just completely takes away her humanity and her like, she exists as a person. She's not just your fave. It kind of demands that she be what you need her to be or want her to be. I don't know whether yeah. I'm saying that as I mean it, but I just, something really did not sit well with me this no. is a really basic thing to say and I do often think this line of like feminism is kind of trite but like if this was about high stars for instance if this was about a man and trying to out them as they were gay do you think it would be more do you, more did you know that Anna Marks has written oh a t- a, almost what well, a very similar piece about Harry Styles saying he's signaled that he is also gay I feel like there's a few things going on here I feel like basically she's platformed some of the darkest corners of fandom internet by platforming conspiracy theories. Gayla Swift, you know, is a Reddit forum with like nearly 30K followers. The things she's referenced in this piece aren't new if you are part of these circles where conspiracy theories about her sexuality have existed. The difference is platforming that on the New York Times is insane. It's completely insane. These are unverified things speculating about somebody's sexuality. And the second thing is I feel like she suggests Taylor Swift owes us her coming out because she calls herself an ally and she's had these references which may or may not exist. The thing is, no one owes us their sexuality. No. no one owes us coming out. I say this as a bi woman. I have people that I you know relate to because they are open about their sexuality, but no one owes me being an icon for me. I would love if they were, but I, I no one owes me that. No, totally. And, and if, compiling a list of reasons why you think someone who's presents as straight um is gay i mean what are you doing if not trying to out them yourself or trying to that is just not um and in the first paragraph of of the i think it's the opening sentence anna marks talks about shelly wright i think her name's shelly wright she's a a country singer she's a, a queer country singer who tried to end her life because of homophobia in country music. Shelley Wright has tweeted her own like discomfort with this article. I saw that. Um, not only because it talks about obviously a very dark moment in her life, but because mm. it is a 5,000 word piece speculating about someone's sexuality. And that is, I think for queer people that n- nobody is, is. No one's asking for that. No. So this is funny. Cause she says this in the piece. She says, if coming out is supposed to be a radical act of resistance that seeks to change the way our society imagines people to be, then undeniable visibility is essential to make space for those without power. In this posture, queer people who can live in aspiration owe those who cannot a real world in which our expansive views of love and gender aren't merely tolerated, but celebrated. We have no choice but to actively vocally press against the world we're in until no one is stuck in it. And it's like, I kind of get what you're saying, but... Taylor Swift hasn't ever said that she's gay or bi or anything. So it's like, yeah. fair enough if you want queer people who are out and they, they to exist. speak up about their queerness. And also there are lots of people, and doing, lots that, people doing that, which she doesn't reference. We have but, Moona, we have like yeah. St. Vincent, we have so Renee many. Rapp. Exactly. Billie Eilish recently, although I'm not sure on that one. Because That's also dubious because she claims she w- that she was pushed to, come, was pushed out. to yeah. come out. It would have been totally fine if she was like, as a queer woman, I have a queer reading of Taylor's works. Here are the ways that I see mm. it as a queer piece of art. And her as an artist who has opened this up for somebody like me. Yeah. She does that in loads of it. And I thought those were the kind of bits I related to. And then she just takes it like 10 steps way too far with the bit you said, Anoni, which is by, I don't know, adding all of this criticism and like mm. making it so academic to the point that if you break it down, she's basically being like, Taylor Swift is letting us down by not coming out. 
That's what she's saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, and it's all speculation. And it's someone who's never been in an open, like a relationship with a woman that we've seen, um, who's come, who said, I am an ally. I'm not part of this community, but I'm a huge ally. She Maybe said that, that's yeah. what it is. And having the world's, one of the world's biggest superstars as an ally, brilliant. But I think you can probably just leave it there mm. and let someone live their life yeah it just is so it's over over familiarity it's the internet again bleeding into real life yes like gay like it's a fringe group the the gaylers yeah. but um there's so many of them just because of the the size of her fan base there's so many of them it's like quite daunting that many people insisting to yeah. you that you're gay i don't know if you saw that tweet from a, a gayler supporter or believer who just said listen taylor you're gay and that's that mm. which Obviously, it's hilarious to read. It's so absurd, but that is the. I think that genuinely is how fervent people believe this. They really believe it. I'm going to go as far as to say that some parts of fandoms can really veer into conspiracy theory, Mm. radicalized fringes, Mm -hmm. and I do think it is really dangerous, kind of normalizing the symbiosis of like putting that in a newspaper and just like giving credence to some of the wilder parts of the internet. Like for a lot of us who are, you know, online, chronically online we are used to kind of dealing with that part of the internet and just kind of like rolling eyes, memeing it, that kind of stuff. We know how to communicate with it. But the massive failure of this is by treating that as like actual logic in a newspaper. Well, it's like what we said earlier about bringing the online stuff into reality. It's like, I think these things can exist. There's the language online, there's a lexicon that we all buy into and we know when something's a joke and when something's not. And then when it's put in something like the New York Times, it gives it validity that changes, it makes it more- It bolsters it. It bolsters it. I agree with what you said as well, Richera. It's like, there are some bits where we're like, that's an interesting idea. But it's also like, it's quite unhinged. Like this bit when she's like, so whatever you make of Ms. Swift's sexual orientation or gender identity, something that is knowable perhaps only to her. Sorry, what do you mean whatever you make of Ms. Swift's? Why is that even, like, how is that, how is that so even the sense you can write? <sighs> or the exact identity of her muses, something better left a mystery, choosing to acknowledge the suffix possibility of her work. It's like fan fiction. Yeah. It's it like, fan why fiction, are yeah. you, why are you, what do you mean, like, whatever you make of Ms. Swift's sexual orientation? We don't. You can't make mm. of someone's sexual, that's not a, something you can do. You can we make of, it does not belong to you in any no. way. We need to end the queer baiting stuff because this has been happening for a while, you know, with Harry Styles mm. and now Taylor Swift. You mean end the concept of queer baiting? Yeah. And also just like, I guess having conversations on, is this person queer baiting? Talking about it as if we have a right to know a yes mm. or no answer um, and talking about it as if um, they owe us an answer. And I think it's kind of coming up in interviews as well. We spoke about Billie Eilish. Mm-hmm. So Variety had an interview with her and um in it, the the interviewer says, oh, you know, as a queer woman, I saw you have a music video and I was wondering, are you, are you queer? And she came out and the whole thing was quite uncomfortable. And I think further on, maybe a month ago or something, she basically came out and said that she was pushed to come out by Variety and she was very, very upset by it. I don't understand how we've normalized that conversation where somebody has to answer on the spot if they're gay or queer or bi or whatever. It's it's bizarre. It's bizarre. People are people are calling out for queer representation icons. And I understand when there is that gulf. I mean, there are, as we've said, there are amazing artists, you know, in that space now. And what I hope we can do is just lift them up, make sure that they have the, mm. the love that they deserve without having to kind of pick and choose who we would like to, to represent us. It is true that closeting goes on it's true that if you are the most famous person in the world and you 
come out as queer, it could derail you, it could put you in real danger. Um, that's a conversation worth having. Mm. If like look at someone like Sam Smith, who's fully embraced their queerness, has embraced their non-binary identity, has really lent into this kind of yeah. personality and making that forthright. And everyone is just completely degrading them, yeah. treating them like they're or an yeah, awful an incarnation of the devil like yeah. and that that was Sam really trying to be unapologetically like really leaning into it with their music and like their, the way that they presented themselves on stage and that whatever like when you see something like that why wouldn't you even like now not talking about Taylor but anyone talking about closeting like why would you want to put yourself on the in on this the world line? what's the point like and this let, doesn't make it a safe space for anyone to kind no. of hound anyone out of them this is not me saying i give any credence to, to this piece but to hound someone and to say you owe us this and she did it with harry styles as well she said you know what with your performance you owe us an answer and he said i'm comfortable this is mine my friends and family know that is mine yeah hands off and yeah. i think that is the only sensible someone says that you, you take them their word and wish them the best of luck. Yeah. And it does feel in a way like we've gone backwards in terms of like seeing something. And I think we're all in beauty this, but like assuming that, so whether it's the way that Harry dresses or whatever, and then being like, okay, well this must mean this. And it's like, surely fluidity has got to expand beyond that. It could be that like, you could be sexually the most straight person, but have very camp yeah. joy in other ways. Like I feel like, again, we think we're coming further away from it because we're trying to be open. Yeah. But we're actually just still labeling everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and a famous ally might just want to be like, I really want to signal to mm. my queer fans that I'm with them. And that you're let's open, do the rainbows, minded. let's do this. Yeah. Let's write songs that everyone can sing. And I think one of the songs that uh, the, the writer picks out was a song that was co-written with St. Vincent, who is a publicly queer woman. And like... It doesn't, you know, I think that these links are there, but I think she's reading the tea leaves yeah. wrong. But again, not my business. You know what it is as well? Taylor Swift has has been such a big person when it comes to, you know, dropping Easter eggs and symbolism and all this mm. kind of stuff. And that's what makes her an interesting artist. There's so much to like unpick and like there's so much rich tapestry in her music and her her choices, basically. And I think what's that? what that has done to some fans has just made them absolutely rabid for signs constantly mm -hmm. yeah. and maybe overreading and overprojection, mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. And it's given them almost evidence in their minds to say absolutely anything they want. And also I think she's so famous. She's almost not a person to them no, anymore. They think she, they own her. Exactly. That's how it reads. It's yeah. like she's a concept. You or can character. love someone so much yeah. that you just like crush it to death in your own like oh fandom freaks me out as at the best of times i think this is really the darkest well not the darkest but it's one of the darker sides of it mm. when it's it kind of leaks out into into the other spheres what would have been really interesting is if the new york times had done a deep dive into investigation into these gay law subreddits these fa factions would these fan that. accounts and talked about what is this cultural phenomenon we're sort of treating celebrities like they are characters or like they are fan fictions and like they can dictate their world. What's weird is that, because that's to me, that's what journalism is. That's what you'd expect a long read in the New York Times to do, not carry stories. I think that's quite a scary place to be when like quite strange corners of the internet can end up being like a headline in a really reputable paper. Agreed, yeah. agreed. It's like a Tumblr post that like, got hit by lightning and like became something monstrous like it should not be where it is it's yeah. like cursed yeah it it kind of makes you feel like journalists are losing their 
code of conduct in a way. Yeah, I agree. Because more and more and more this happens where the, a piece is written and people are absolutely outraged that the piece has been written. And there's like a response piece and a response piece to that. Yeah. And you kind of wonder, what's that first piece was all along all, designed yeah. to kind of in, in, invite scandal, invite yeah. shock or because that's what kind of powers publications nowadays, which is obviously terrible. All of these prestige publications don't know how to report on the internet and I think with the demise of you know new media certain companies that have fallen to the wayside you know Gaudem sadly Mm. never forgotten um BuzzFeed all of these amazing places for basically young thinkers who get the internet and who get culture with that comes all of these prestige places not really knowing how to report on these issues in the right way not verifying not being critical about it and you get more pieces like this Mm. yeah it's such a good point yeah, Galden would have done a great piece on this. Girls, before we go, I have a TV recommendation for you. Tell us. Fool Me Once on Netflix. Ooh. It is like an eight-part TV adaptation of a Harlan Coben book, which I haven't read, but I actually might read after this. It stars Michelle Keegan, Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley. It's Amazing. It's woman's husband is killed. She has to take it upon herself to figure out what happened. It's juicy. It's fun. I actually have to say, I've I've watched it. I stayed up till two in the morning. I had to finish it. This is yeah, definitely a bingeable. It's a nice sort of who done it, who done it, who done it. Okay, okay, I'll watch it. Oh, we're also going to the cinema, all of us today, to watch Poor Things, which is out today. We're going on a school trip. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get popcorn. I'm so excited for this film. I saw the trailer. I think last year when I, oh, maybe when I went to see Oppenheimer, actually, that's when I think I saw the trailer. And I remember being like, I am going to watch that film, even though I had no context about what it was about. It just yeah. looked deranged. Yorgos Lanthimos films always just kind of bizarre, strange. You just have to buy into it yeah. and, and mm. enjoy the ride. He did The Favour and The Lobster, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be talking about poor things next week. And if there is anything else that you want us to discuss, want to tell us, please do not hesitate to contact us on at everythingiscontentpod on Instagram. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe. If you're not already subscribed, I hope you are. Tell your friends, recommend it to someone that you think might love us. Uh, As a new podcast, it really helps us out. Word of mouth is very important. And if you do love us, please do leave a review. Five stars. Five stars. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.